you remember, we got to a place last week where I just went, okay, there's, there's too much to deal with today. We're going to finish the rest of it next week. So that's, that's where we are. But we, just to recap a little bit, we said this, when it's time for a recharge, we need to return to the one who's in charge. Uh, when you find yourself kind of at your weakness, at your end, when you feel empty, when you feel like at a loss... This is an indicator that it's a time for you and I to focus more attention on the one who created us, the one who energizes us, the one who sustains us. So feeling weak, feeling empty is not in and of itself a bad thing, but it's simply an indicator that the low energy light is starting to flick and and we need to focus our attention on the one who can recharge us. We learned that last week and we read this beautiful passage from John 14 that kind of helped us walk through that, okay? So as we come to the end of that, We learned that there were a few things like powers that he gives us. He gives us the power to learn and to understand and to obey. All of that comes from what we learned last week, okay? We also learned that he gives us this power to be at peace. That when we we realize we're not ultimately in control or in charge of this world, that we don't have to try and drive it into our submission and, and make it do what we want it to do. And when the world doesn't do what you want it to do, and when people around you don't do what you want them to do, sometimes it's easy to be uh, at a loss for peace, but because of the Spirit's power in us, we can be at peace. And then the last thing is we learned that it was powerful. The Spirit gives us a power to overcome the enemy, to, re- to push away sin, to walk away from wrong, uh, to do those things. This all comes by the power of the Holy Spirit in our life. And we also have this wonderful power to share the good news that God wants us to be so filled with the power of the Holy Spirit that it is natural for us to tell other people about Jesus. Um, I come from a different denomination's background, and in that denomination, they're always, we're always training people how to share the gospel. There are all these different lessons on how, you, how to know how to do it. You know, and it, it started out very mechanical when I was young. Uh, there would be, okay, you ask this question, and there are only three possible answers. And if someone gives you this answer, then you go down this road. And if they give you this answer, then you go down this road. It felt very much like you were learning to sell a timeshare. You know, like... Like that was kind of the training process uh, of doing that. And very quickly we realized that that's not really the best way to share the gospel. And then there was a season of time when all of the training focused on relationships. And so it was, go be friends with someone who doesn't know Jesus until they'll let you tell them about Jesus. And, and that sounds great on the outside. It sounds very nice. Uh, but the reality is what ends up happening is that a lot of friendships have a bit of a bait and switch to them where it feels a little bit like to the person who's not a believer, like you really only made friends with me because you had this spiritual thing you wanted to do in my life. And when that didn't happen, you don't want to be friends with me anymore. And so that quickly kind of wore off. Uh, In the long run, I heard a pastor one time say something that I thought was just really revolutionary, and it it has stuck with me, and I share it as often as I can, and that is this. I've never known a grandmother who had to be trained how to tell people about her grandchildren. Well, think about that for a second. She simply tells people about the ones she loves. That's it. It's that I've never had to sit down with a grandmother and go, listen, what I'm going to need you to do is carry these seven photos in your, in your purse at all times. And we're going we're to take your phone and we're going to fill up this whole folder of photographs with just baby pictures and when they had their first bath and when they ate their first cake and when they played in the mud, we're going to make sure you have all that on you so that when the time comes that you witness an opportunity 
It pops up. God brings this opportunity in your life for you to tell somebody about your grandkids. You are prepared, right? I've never heard anybody have to do that. The issue is not, are are we well-trained? The issue is, are we in love with God? Do we love him? Are we filled with the power of love from him that empowers us to share the good news? If you don't share the good news of the gospel, the, the problem is not that you don't know exactly how to talk about Jesus. The problem is, is Jesus the forethought, like in your mind, a primary issue that you're thinking about on a regular basis? So, so that's what we learned last week. And then we started talking about this idea that this power that we have has purpose. And that's where we left off. So I'd like to talk to you today about the fact that Christ doesn't just empower you for the sake of empowering you. Christ empowers you because there's purpose to you being empowered. And we want to think through what that really looks like, okay? The scripture says, John 14, 15, I think the particular verse is 15 and 16, says, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. And then I highlighted this one for you. This is kind of the big one to look at. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper, a counselor, a comforter, to be with you how long? Forever. Now, that word's really important because, if you'll remember, this is in the midst of a conversation where Jesus is explaining to his disciples that he's leaving. He's leaving them. And they're not happy about him leaving them. And he's making sure they understand that what they're receiving in his physical, bodily absence, what they're receiving is actually better, it's, it's more internalized, and it will never leave. It's there forever. So that's what he's helping them understand. He says, even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him or knows him, you know him for he dwells with you and will be actually in you. We know that at Pentecost, the in you part begins to happen. And for each of us, everyone in this room who is an actual, genuine, authentic believer in Jesus, we are filled with the presence of his Holy Spirit. Okay? So... The presence of the Spirit of God in your life has purpose, and I'm going to narrow it down to three particular purposes for us. The first purpose is comfort. He's there to comfort you. Now, why in the world world would we need somebody to comfort us? Like, I don't know about you, everything in my life is simple, easy, and never requires any stress. No, not, I mean, not, not, right? Like, 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 there's nothing ever wrong. You, nobody ever has a disagreement in the car on the way to church. Never happens, right? Your children always do exactly what you want. Every bill is paid a year ahead of time, right? No, we live in a world that's filled with things that rob us of comfort. There are stresses and pressures. And in fact, in the current state of the world we live in, it feels like that might be accelerating, right? Right? For instance, when we get to a place where in in economy and in other things, where the only thing you can do to make it better is work harder. Like that's the only, if it feels like the only thing you can do to try and make things better in your life is just give more of yourself to it. Well, that works real well the first time and maybe the second time. But when you get to the 10th time or the 20th time and you look back and now you're going harder than you've ever gone in your life and the, the way you need to reduce your stress is to work harder. It just, it just gets to a place where, where you feel like you can't do that anymore, you know? It's in moments like that that we look to God knowing that we need comfort. And without him, we're not going to find it. 
It's why things like you know, anxiety, depression, suicide are all climbing in our world because our world is not only losing its sense of comfort and feeling more pressure, but for many people, there's no real connection to the Holy Spirit who can comfort them. I would encourage you today, there are lots of reasons to follow Jesus. There are lots of reasons. We could talk about eternity. We could talk about sin. We talk about lots of things. But one of the greatest reasons to follow Jesus is the power and presence of God in your life to bring you comfort. Just to bring you comfort in the pressures and trials of life. In John 16, this is two chapters later after we read earlier, he says this, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage, Jesus is saying, it's to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper, the comforter, the Holy Spirit will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. We are given a comforter whose role is to bring comfort to those who are not or who are believers. But then if you move to the next step, it's that he's also coming to convict. Concerning sin, he says, because they do not believe in me. Concerning righteousness, he convicts because I go to the Father and you will see me no longer. Concerning judgment, he says, because the ruler of this world is judged. The second thing that we've learned from the Holy Spirit is that he's not only here to comfort us, but he's also here to convict. So let's talk about conviction for a second. There is a gigantic difference between conviction and guilt, okay? I will go to the end saying that guilt in and of itself is not a good thing and should not be a tool that we use. Guilt is that emotion and feeling that humans have that recognize a wrong or sometimes even mislabel something as a wrong, okay? And, and that wrong feeling presses you down and pushes you lower. And ultimately, the voice in your head, if you will, from guilt is, look what you've done. Look how bad you are. Oh my gosh, you're horrible. You couldn't be any worse. That voice of guilt is one that comes from our enemy, who's called the accuser of the believer or the brethren. And his goal is to put the foot of guilt on our head and press us down. Guilt and conviction are two completely different things. Conviction is the realization from the voice of God into your life that something in you is wrong, but that you are better than that. That you have been redeemed from that. That you don't have to fall short that way. And that you are forgiven and can move on. The, the idea of conviction is not simply the patting on the back going, don't worry about your sin, I took care of that. It's not just that. But it's because of what God has done in our life through Christ that the presence of the Holy Spirit in our life can remind us that we don't have to live like that anymore. That we don't have to let pick whatever your pet sin is. We don't have to let anger or, or, or we don't have to let lust we don't, like, let the, we don't have to let greed drive us anymore. We can, we can trust Jesus to overcome those things in our life, both with what he did on the cross and with what he's doing with us right now, so that we are convicted. Conviction, conviction feels more like passion and excitement and joy moving into the future knowing that because of what Jesus has done in the past and because of what the 
Holy Spirit's doing in the present that I don't have to live a defeated life. I can live a victorious life. It doesn't mean that I'm always going to do everything right. It doesn't necessarily mean that I'm never going to fail or mess up. But it does mean that those sins or failures or mess-ups in my life no longer define me because of what Jesus has done. Now let's go beyond that. The scripture actually says that the Holy Spirit came to convict for multiple purposes. One of those things is to convict the world. Convict the world. What this means is that you and I as believers don't have to make it our own personal agenda to tell everybody around us what they're doing wrong. Anybody have a Facebook friend like that? You're thinking, I did, but I don't anymore because there's this button that says unfriend. Boom. There's another button that says block. Boom. Right? Yeah. They're out there. They're out there. The person who believes that the way that they build up an impressive uh, you know, look for themselves is to point out everybody else's flaws. They're out there. And sometimes that person will claim to be operating on behalf of God's will. But that in and of itself has nothing to do with the calling that God's given us. Now, I'm not saying, don't get me wrong, I'm not saying that it's not the responsibility of the church to make some stands, to, 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 to speak truth about sin. Absolutely it is. Absolutely it is. But we are an organization, and, a, and, a, and a, not more than that, we are an organism, if you will, that should be known for what we believe in much more than what we stand against. Am I making sense? I'm not saying we shouldn't stand against anything. I'm saying that when somebody thinks of Woodlawn Church, they shouldn't think, yeah, those are those people who don't like these people, they don't like these people, they're against these people, and they think these people are way out of line. Like, no. When somebody thinks of Woodlawn Church, what they should be thinking is those are those people who stand for truth, love others, share the gospel, treat everyone with kindness, and do their very best to help those who are in the wrong find Christ and move into the right. Make sense? This for us is extremely important. The power of the conviction of the Holy Spirit changes us. And all of a sudden, we, we, we're not just feeling like under pressure. I got to work harder and do more, work harder and do more. No, that's, that's the way guilt presses us down. All of a sudden what happens is we start to see the world through the passion of Christ where we recognize, oh my gosh, look at all the opportunities that are in front of us. Look at all the people we can Im impact. Look at all the ways that we can be used by God to do things that are beneficial and helpful in the world. Spirit's purpose is to comfort us, but not to take us to a place where we're so comforted that we do nothing. The Spirit's place is also to convict us. Okay? Uh, this is an old cliche, but, but we hear it. It's true. Is that the Holy Spirit comes to comfort the afflicted and to afflict the comforted. Okay? <laughs> Both of those happen. Uh, let's, let's move on as we think through the next thing. John 16, 12 says this. I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. In other words, you're not ready to hear it yet, okay? When the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth, for he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak. In other words, what, what the Father has told him, and he will declare to you the things that are coming down the road, the things that are to come. 
He will glorify me. Jesus says that. The Spirit will glorify me, for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. All that the Father has is mine. Therefore, I said that he will take what is mine and declare it to you. He's going to explain to you all things. The third thing is the Spirit's purpose is to counsel, to help us understand life, to help us understand what is right, what is wrong, what is good, what is bad, where we need to be, where we don't need to be, choices we need to make, choices we don't need to make. I shared this with some teenagers this week at camp and uh, with some folks last Sunday night in, in Graves County. Let me talk to you about this. Um, we need to prepare ourselves to be counseled by God. We don't need to run haphazardly into decisions and then go, God, why aren't you telling me what I'm supposed to do here? God, why won't you be clear with me? Why, why won't you help me understand? I, I can't tell you the number of times that I've sat down with someone who's facing a, a, a challenge or a big decision, and, and they said to me, um, I don't know what to do. Please tell me what to do. And, and I, this is going to sound kind of smart lucky. I, don't, I really don't mean for it to be, but I, I might ask the question, well, what scripture verses have you read about that particular uh, topic? And usually the answer is something like this. Oh, listen, reading the Bible is your thing, man. Like I'm not, I, I don't know a whole lot about that. Like I, I you know, and I go, okay, let, let me give you some, you know, let me make some suggestions. And then I say something like, okay, when you've prayed about this, what do you sense maybe that God is telling you? And they're like, you know, um, I, I talked to him, but I didn't really hear anything back. So I, I'm not sure about, about what you mean by that. And I said, okay, okay. So let, let's ponder these things. Maybe let's give the Lord some silence and listen to him, and then, okay, what about wise counsel? Have, who have you sat down with that have maybe been through this before? You know, somebody you know who's a believer who's gone through this kind of thing before. What did they say? And, and usually it's like, well, I started that conversation with you. Like, like that, that's it. And, and I sense that it's, it's my responsibility in those moments not just to help someone make the decision, but to help someone understand how to make a decision, like to help someone understand how in the future to, to become that wise counsel themselves because not only are we going to need to be counseled by the Holy Spirit in our own decisions, but we're going to need to be counseled by the Holy Spirit to help other people make their decisions. And so the pushback is this. I need to learn to understand Scripture before I really need to know what the Scripture says about this one thing. I need to learn how to hear the voice of God before I'm in a place where I've got to hear the voice of God now, right? Let me give you a metaphor. Several years ago, uh, I, had, I had a small company and we sold that company and I had to liquidate some equipment, okay? There was a piece of equipment. It's a very like, odd thing. Like Most people in the world are not going to need this this piece of equipment. And, and it had a lot of moving parts and hydraulics and electronics and all different things that went with it. And I was fortunate that a man in Oklahoma decided he needed this used piece of equipment. And so he and his friend drove from Oklahoma to my house to buy this used piece of equipment, okay? Now I, metaphorically, I'm the Christian who doesn't know how to hear from God and doesn't know how to go to his word. Like I don't know anything comparatively, I'm the mechanic that doesn't know how to fix anything that's broken on this thing, okay? That, that's me. Well, it just so happened that on their drive down here, we had a small ice storm in Kentucky. 
So in 2018, uh, when I went outside to check on this piece of equipment, it had about an eighth of an inch of ice on everything. Nothing electronic worked. The battery had shorted out. All the fuses were bad. Like, like everything was gone. And I had a guy who was going to be at my house in 45 minutes driving from Oklahoma to pick up a piece of equipment that I promised him worked perfectly yesterday. I get on the phone with the only guy I know who lives very close to me, who's a mechanic. It's a Saturday, he's off work. And I'm like, dude, you have got, you have got to get to my house right now. Name your price, I'll pay you what I need to pay you. Please come to my house. We have got stuff to fix. This guy's going to be here in 45 minutes. And I think I felt like a lot of believers feel when they need to hear from God, but they haven't been trained yet or trained themselves in how to be counseled from the Holy Spirit. And I was, I was flipping out. I had no idea how I was going to fix this. What I really thought was going to happen is that the one guy in all of America who might need to buy this piece of equipment that I have to sell is now going to think that I'm a liar who told him all kinds of stuff about this, and he's going to have he will driven 12 hours and be angry, and he's going to jump in his truck and drive back home and tell everybody else not to buy anything from me. That's what I was afraid was going to happen. My buddy gets there, and he starts laughing at all the ice. And he says, didn't you think to park this in a garage before the ice storm? And I went, okay, park in garage before ice storm. Learned, learned it, got it. He said, you could have put a tarp over this. I'm like, aha, there, put tarp over trailer. He pulls out his tools. He starts breaking ice off stuff. He takes everything off. He takes a, a new car battery and puts where the other one has gone. And he's like, look, we're going to, I think he pulled it off my truck, put, pulled my car battery off my truck, swapped them out. And he said, you're going to take this one and charge it and use it on your truck from now on because this other one is dead. So we're going to use it. So little by little, he changed out hydraulic hoses. He pulled stuff out and got it around. And as the man pulled into my driveway... I think it took about 10 minutes after he got there. He got the thing running. Everything worked. The guy bought the trailer, took it far away. I was relieved. Life was better, okay? I remember thinking, I don't ever want to own something that I don't know how to deal with myself ever again. I felt so helpless about that. But I think that's a great metaphor for what it's like to have a life a life where we want the, the very best of this life. We want the best counsel. We want to make the best decisions. We want the best relationships. We want the greatest opportunities. And for a believer, all of that comes down to being able to hear the counsel of the Holy Spirit in your life. If you, if you don't have this keenness or sensitivity to be able to hear the Spirit's counsel, then you will unintentionally walk past many good opportunities. Or maybe you'll intentionally turn down alleys that you should not have walked through. Okay? The Spirit's purpose is to comfort you and to convict you. But the Spirit is here to counsel you. He counsels us through His Word. He counsels us through prayer. He counsels us through experiences and things that we see. And He counsels us through wise counsel from other believers or from sermons or from Bible studies we've done where we receive that wise counsel. Listen up, Christian friends. When you have a life that on a daily, regular basis has you in God's word and listening to his voice and paying attention to wise counsel, then all of a sudden when an opportunity to make a big decision shows up, you're going to be prepared. You're going to be very prepared. 
and you'll make a good decision in most cases. And get this, if you don't make a good decision, you'll be so in touch with the grace of God that you will experience forgiveness quickly and you will move on. <laughs> Make sense? The Spirit's counsel, oh sorry, the Spirit's purpose is to comfort us, convict us, and counsel us. So what does that mean about your purpose? If the Spirit has that purpose in me, then what is my purpose? I love this, okay? If I stay plugged into the Spirit's power, that's what I'm supposed to like, if, I, if I'm there, if I'm paying attention, then all of a sudden I'm going back to those same powers that God gave us in the first half of the sermon, which you heard last Sunday, okay? Uh, we have the purpose in hearing God. We have purpose. We can hear Him. We have purpose in understanding truth. All of a sudden we can do it. We have purpose in obeying and obedience, getting to live a life that brings honor and glory to God through our choices and attitudes. We have purpose with peace. We live this life as one who's not blowing up all the time emotionally because we are peaceful in trusting him. We have purpose to push back the enemy and say, I'm, I'm tired of what you're doing in my life or my neighbor's life or my kid's life or my community's life. And the enemy starts to step away from believers who are living close, connected lives to the Holy Spirit and are empowered by him. And we have purpose to help others follow Jesus. All of a sudden, we as a church, we as individuals, we as families, find purpose in helping those around us, those in our spheres of influence, meet and follow and know him. This is a power that's real. This is a purpose that's genuine. I brought the solar panel on stage today because, first of all, I just dig solar panels. I don't have one. I, we, I, this is a friend's. I, one of these days, I would love to live off solar panels. I just think it's really awesome. That has nothing to do with today's sermon. But the idea that wherever I am and whatever I'm doing, I'm, I'm, I'm still plugged in. I'm still there. At a previous church, I had a car that I drove, and the car was a Prius. Isn't that cool? And it, but it had solar panels all across the top of the car. And literally, as I tried, Prius man right here, I'm with you. As I, as I drove the Prius, in the daylight, the sun charged the battery on the car that I was driving. You guys don't have to like electric cars, but that's cool. It was very cool. I love staying plugged in, not, not having this feeling that something can take me away or take me off, uh, unplug me from the grid, so to speak. Uh, that is exactly what we have in the presence of the Holy Spirit in our life. Nobody can take him from you. Nobody can close the door between him and you. Nobody can make you not be able to speak to him or listen to him. God's presence literally is in you. Everywhere you go, always there. He brings the purpose of comforting you, convicting you, and counseling you so that you and I can live a life of purpose, obeying God, bringing great glory to him. Would you pray with me? Jesus, thank you for this church and these people. Thank you for this time together. Thank you for the momentum that you're building. The way in which things are growing and new faces are arriving. Lord, I pray that you would help us to be sensitive to your spirit. That as leaders, we would be sensitive to the things that we do that lead the entire congregation. But as husbands and wives, as fathers and mothers... 
uh, as friends, as young adults, as teenagers, as children, Lord, put us in a place where we are becoming more and more and more in tune with the comfort you bring and the conviction you give and the counsel you offer. Lord, we trust you with this. It's in your name that we pray. Amen. Would you stand with us? We're going to open up the, one of the doors in the back of the room. We'll have somebody there to, to help pray with you if you'd like to pray with somebody. Uh, this is a good opportunity for us to worship together, but also respond to the Lord in the choices that we make and in the things that we believe and in the places that we're going in the near future. Let's worship him.